Hey, 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 everybody. It's your girl Rika with Soul Healer Podcast. And guess what? Today I am here with a special co-host, Miss Jessica Rabbit. And she's going to be joining me for a few episodes. So y'all welcome Jessica to the podcast. What's up, boo? Hey, hey how you doing? Hopefully next, when I sound better, because COVID got me and my voice sound off. Like I got a frog in it. Oh, she's sick, y'all. So send her some love, send her some love. But I'm grateful that she's here with me today. I'm a little stuffy too. So I sound like I got a frog in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> but for today's episode, um, we're going to have a guest on here and we're going to be talking about death and grieving and transitions and you know, she's going to join us in a minute. Her name is Kay Ray Lynn, and I'll let you hear a little bit about her when she joins us. But right now, I just want to catch up a little bit with Jessica so you guys can get to know her, and then we'll talk more about what Kay Ray has to offer for this conversation when she joins us in a few minutes. Um, but Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I used to be a teacher before having kids. I taught kids on the spectrum, then I got married, had three kids. My youngest, well, not my youngest, my son has, he's on the spectrum. He's more of a low functioning. So I deal with that on a day-to-day. Just a mom, a wife, just going day by day. See what each, each day has to give me. Okay, so when you say on the spectrum, can you explain what that means? He has autism. So he, when he was, when I was pregnant, they came early. I was having multiples. They came early and they gave me a whole boatload of medications to try to stop the labor and different things like that. So he was born um, and he was doing good. He was meeting his milestones and then all of a sudden he stopped talking. He was regressing. So he used to be able to say, mommy, daddy, hi, bye, different things like that. And then one day he woke up and couldn't talk. And I thought he was refusing to talk and it was just no, they couldn't do it. Then I started noticing other things like he was trying to spin things that shouldn't be fun. Like he'll try to spin the remote. Um, he would try to spin a cup, everything he wanted to spin. So he wasn't actually spinning himself. He was trying to spin other objects and the eye contact and different things like that, which I learned in school. And I said, okay, something's wrong. So I took him, they said, yeah, you know, we believe he's on the spectrum. And by the time he was three, they finally diagnosed him to be on a spectrum. So he had like a speech delay, eye contact, behavioral issues. To me, it's a bunch of whole, a bunch of mental health issues wrapped up in one that exploded and he just could not deal with his body. But he's very, very intelligent. Um, sometimes I think they're so smart that they're like stupid at times because the stuff that he does or stuff that he says at times when he is talking blows your mind. But I mean, hopefully they'll have, you know, more help with it. There's no cure for it. Some kids don't know how to cope. Some kids, they say, grow out of it, but you really never grow out of it. You have it. You just don't know how to cope with it. And I think more and more of our kids are coming up diagnosed with it only because they didn't have a name for it. Back in the 80s and 90s, they would say that your child was neurologically impaired. So now they're trying to find a test for it. So I think they're trying to do like, you know, when you were pregnant, they did the Downs test. They're trying to do that now with autism. They're trying to see if there's something that they can pick up 
while in utero that will let you know if your child is on the spectrum and how much on the spectrum your child is going to be. So I've been helping with that as well. So we've been doing a lot of genetic testing. But it's been, you know, yeah. Okay. And how long have you been married? 17 years. Woohoo. We married twins. Yes. 17 years. <laughs> and maybe we have to do another episode on, on marriage and all that stuff. But yes, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about something different, which I mentioned is about grief and the end of life. And I know briefly offline, we talked about some of your experiences with that and mm -hmm. some gifts that you have. And, you know, we may talk about that a little bit more once Kay gets online. Um, you know, whatever you you don't mind sharing about those gifts and maybe some things you guys have in common. Um, but, you know, we have a few more minutes until she joins us. Okay. Do, do you feel okay sharing about that, a little bit about your gift? Yeah. Okay. So, so, go ahead. Sorry. So um, It's okay. Um, as a child, I've had dreams about people dying. I would know when people would die. Um, I would share it with them, and it would freak some people out. Um, I know being raised in the Holiness Church, we, I guess, accepted that a little bit more so, so people outside of it didn't understand, like my husband calls it my voodoo. Um, I just laughed. He goes, "There you go again." He said, "But he said it's weird how it's always basically right." And it didn't scare me as a child. It doesn't really scare me either. Now, I just learned how to um, deal with it, and I learned who I can say it to and who I can share it with because everybody's not always accepting of it. Uh, my mother-in-law had made a little joke. Oh, she's like, remember when I first met you, you said you had these dreams, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, well, I still have them. And certain stuff has come to pass that I haven't told you about. But, you know, it has happened. So it's like, all right, I just know not to share with you. And I just go like, <laughs> I go like that. Okay. And it's funny, it's, my daughter has it as well. My oldest daughter, she has it as well. She made her prediction. As a little, little girl, when COVID first happened, she told me that COVID's not going to be over until 2024. Wow. She was, when it first started happening, she was like, and who said three years ago? So she was about, about nine, eight or nine. She was like, yeah, um, COVID's not going to be better until 2024. She said, everybody keeps thinking it's going to be better by 2020, 20, I mean, she said 2022. It's not going to be better until 2024. So we're all waiting to see if wow. her prediction is true or not and it's like it's amazing she just said it clear like didn't care she said it she said things and I'm like oh my gosh so you you have this as well and I let her I let her be free with it I don't shun her I let her say say what she's going to say and I see if it happens so, so I'm, I'm waiting to see if 2024 is going to be when it gets better if it does I'm like oh girl here you go Wow, I'm gonna wait to see what happens too. <laughs> but you guys hold tight for a second. We'll be right back and Kay Raylan will be joining us. So just grab your seat. All right. Okay, we are back and joining us, as I mentioned, is Kay Raylan. Today we're just gonna call her Ray. And she is with Uhuru End of Life and Grief Care and Ashe and Alchemy. 
and she's going to tell you a little bit about herself and what she does with these businesses. So, Ray, come on through, girl. Hello, hello. hello <laughs> Welcome hello, to the everybody. podcast. Thank you so much um, for inviting me. I appreciate um, being able to share space with you guys. So thank you. I'm excited. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, what you do. So my name is Kay Ray Lynn, but I like to go by Ray, so Ray is fine. If Kay comes out, that's cool, too. Um, I am the owner and founder of a few businesses. Um, my passion baby is uh, Yahoo End-of-Life Care and Grief Support. Um, and in that venture, I am an end-of-life doula, so I support families or people who are at the end of their life with non-medical support during that transition time and the aftercare with grief. And uh, Ashan Alchemy is uh, my spiritual-based business. So I'm a spiritual practitioner where I utilize uh, several divination tools and gifts and the gift of mediumship to support individuals in their holistic healing and guidance and things of that nature. Okay, so are you a medium yourself or you have people on staff that have these gifts? Yes, ma'am. I am an ancestral medium. So using my gifts of clear senses, so clear cognizance, clairvoyance, clear audience, I use those gifts to connect to transitioned uh, loved ones. So yes. Wow, that is amazing. And Jessica, as we mentioned with your gifts, do you are you able to connect with people after they transition or do you just pick up on things before they happen? One thing I have is had dreams um like of my grandmother she's come to me through dreams I remember she came to me one time and she told me not to let anyone forget her but don't let my children forget her um and then she she said some personal stuff with my mother with me and I had told my mother and my mother was like freaked out that I found out the way I did but just her um and my grandfather those were the two that came to me via dream but um, that's about it. Oh, mm -hmm. my ex too. My ex had died. Mm -hmm. That was a weird experience. Um, <laughs> he felt like, it felt like he was trying to have sex with me. But he, mm -hmm. he was killed. Mm -hmm. And it felt like he was, I could feel him physically on top of me. That yeah. was the weirdest feeling. And he told me to come with him. He said, we can go anywhere in the world you want to go. Just come with me, please. I said, no, I don't want to go with you. I want to, you know, be married. I want to have children. I want to have a family. I don't want to leave. So my father prayed over me and asked him to leave me alone. He said, leave her alone, cross over, leave her alone. She doesn't want to go. And after that, I didn't have any more interaction with him. The, the funny thing, too, was I didn't go to his funeral. He said, why weren't you at my funeral? He told me what color suit he had on and everything. So I asked my cousin who went to the funeral what color suit he had on. And he had the same exact suit he had on. Is what he told me, how he looked. And that was weird. That connection I did have. Because I always told him not to go places, not to do things. And he was like, why didn't you tell me not to go to the club that night? But we weren't no longer in a relationship. So I don't know if that connection separated at that moment. Or was it just his time to go and... I was not to stop him. Mm -hmm. but he told me he he told me he was safe. He told me he was happy. And my mother said that that means his soul is at rest. 
And but yeah, that was like the weirdest. And my cousin actually had that experience as well. She said it felt like her ex um, was trying to have sex with her as well. I I I was like freaked out about that. I I'm know. like I didn't know that could happen. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right? Do mm. you pick up on stuff like that? Like, not people wanting to have sex with you, but <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate your father being able to step in and tell your ex to cross over, like, go, go that way. You know, she doesn't want to come with you right now. Um, in my experiences, usually uh, souls that have transitioned, they are going to find someone who is attentive enough to what messages they, they want to leave, whether it's coming to you in a dream um, whether it's, you know, uh, random text messages coming through um, their favorite song coming on the radio, whatever, what have you, you kind of just feeling their energy around you, smelling their fragrance or like a food they used to cook. They like to, or they want to come to someone that they know can trust to deliver the message that they have. So your grandparents must have known if we come to Jessica in a dream, she's going to take the information that we give her and she's not going to blow it off like, oh, that's dumb. She's going to sit with it. She's going to process it. She's going to ask for clarity, right? Just so she's not like, I'm not tripping. <laughs> what I get, what I heard, what I felt, it it actually happened. And I appreciate your, um, your dad kind of stepping in and saying, telling your ex like, hey, go that way. She doesn't want to come with you, you know, cross over. Um, and it's also good to hear that he told you like, hey, I'm good. I'm in a safe place. And I feel like when our loved ones die, because we don't know what it's like to be dead, we ain't never died before, right? So we just want to know that they're okay, especially if it's someone that you had or any type of connection and relationship with, whether it's family, um, intimate, whatever, what have you. So that energy doesn't die when they leave. Just their physical vessels aren't here. So, yeah, but I get those all the time. Okay. Do you work with facilities like or organizations like hospice or do families reach out to you directly? How do you connect with your clients? Um, families can reach out to me directly. So um, I've been doing death work or mediumship work for um I want to say since I was a kid, like my grandmother died when I was 12 and she was the first spirit that I saw, the first mediumship experience that I had. Um, and I would see her. I mean, she always had a baby with her when I saw her. Always, always. And I'm like, Grandma, whose baby is that? Um, when I was a teenager, I was a teenage mother and that child did not make it. So she was like, this your baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Wow. Because the I pregnancy was terminated. Yeah, the t pregnancy was terminated. I was very young. I was 12 when I got pregnant. And so that, that pregnancy was terminated. And I will always see my grandmother with this baby. So she died at home. She died of leukemia. And I know she didn't know I was pregnant. And I will always see her with this baby. She like, this your baby. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, grandma. Because at the time I was in church, you know what they say about, you know, terminations in church. And I was so conflicted and so confused. And then, oh, I'm going to try not to start crying. I don't know why I'm crying today. Because <laughs> I tell the story all the time. 
and she was there like every everything and she was like my safe space so when she when she transitioned oh I was ready to go with her I was like come on grandma we finna be up out of here and I will always see her with this baby always 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 and then talking to like family and church members they tried to make it even I'm like wait a minute you're not gonna demonize my grandma because she was a good church going grandmother made cooked made Easter costumes for the Easter program like sweet lady like she was that lady I'm like y'all not gonna demonize her so that was my first experience with seeing uh people like transition like being able to see spirits um in church I love to pray for people I still do um I love the power of like intercession and being able to connect and deliver those messages um so yeah I've been doing it for a while but certifiably um I went through going with grace so shout out to Alua Arthur and her squad there at going with grace amazing program that is who I did my um end of life uh practitioner certification uh and I completed that last year um (sighs) try not to cry again I started that program I got accepted into the program April the 16th like a couple hours after I got the notification that I'll be going into that program, my dad went to the hospital. And when he went to the hospital, I was sitting on the couch and I told my husband, I said, my daddy not coming home alive. He going to die in that hospital. I just knew it. Um, and my husband was like, babe, I said, no, he finna die. And he did. Um, he died right before I started the program. And I started the program a week after his funeral. So I actually was able to finish the program and as a grieving bereaved daughter. So I use that life experience to help support other people. So um, I have a lot of clients who just from my Ashley and Alchemy, my spiritual based business that come to me for mediumship readings. So I've been able to support people in that aspect. But when it comes to death work, that's where my niche, that's where my sweet spot is, is in that 11th hour support. In that I want to be at your bedside while you take your last breath. It's that I want to hold space for your family while you're grieving. Wow. The, the the throws, the deep, the deep, the deep of it. Because um, mm-hmm. after the funeral, everybody just thinks like life is supposed to go as normal mm-hmm. and it never, ever, 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 ever does. So I want to support in that aspect. And that's what I do. Well, I thank you for what you, all you do. And the reason I asked about hospice is because I was a volunteer with hospice for a while mm-hmm. and I had to do an end of life certification. It wasn't as big as probably what you did, but mm-hmm. we had to still go through some sort of training because when you're in these spaces with these people who you never know when it's going to be their last moment, because mm-hmm. I was providing Reiki for people who were in hospice, mm-hmm. um, to help them at least have some peace and some mm. energy or mm-hmm. to balance their energy out. Just that companionship too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a that beautiful, that's beautiful though. Mm-hmm. And I tell my clients, if you think about it, if you can support a person, be aligned and be at peace in their transition, you can feel like you feel a person's energy when they're leaving. Mm-hmm. So if they're in pain, sometimes you can feel like, oh my gosh, this person was really hurt. Um, and then I think about those visitations after the fact, 
like knowing that your loved one, they were balanced and aligned and at peace. Do you feel that energy when they come through? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus uh, thinking about someone who may have gotten died tragically. Yeah. Those moments don't happen before mm-hmm. that death so that pain that anguish that heaviness um sometimes I can feel like physical symptoms of people yeah so thank you for that that mm-hmm. medicine that you give to the world because it's absolutely it is important it is important energy work is one of the things that those 11th hours being able to get the person at peace and calm like hey it's time for you to go Right. And you know it's time for you to go, but you're fighting it. So let's just get you calm mm-hmm. so you can kind of transition in peace. So that's beautiful. That's what's up. I think that was a way for me to heal my own trauma because I had a fear of old people. <laughs> I saw I saw death and sickness in elderly people at a young age. Mm. I saw seizures and all types of eyes rolling in the back of their head and ambulance pulling up to the house and stuff at a young age. I saw my grandmother take her last breath. She looked me in my eyes before she took her last breath. So I was just like, I need to get over this fear. Let me find a way to turn that pain into purpose or passion or something. So I did that volunteering. And my dad, it'll be a year anniversary for his death on December 4th. He was in the hospital and I knew he wasn't coming home. Um, But he actually let me do healing work on him while he was there and he said the words my daughter the healer he had never said anything like that to me before Mm. and Mm. I was going to visit him the next day but he didn't make it that far so you know it's helped me throughout this time but I think it also helped me deal with the grief that I didn't allow myself to feel or didn't know how to deal with as Mm -hmm. a kid so Mm -hmm. it helped me you know go through that process because I was numb for a lot of those situations where I didn't Mm -hmm know how to grieve so Mm -hmm. yeah I thank you for what you do Mm. but Jessica I didn't know whether you had something to say I know with the grandmother situation you were like with the baby okay so that this is funny so many similarities so when I got pregnant with twins before I had my other multiples I was laying on the couch sleep and I had a dream my grandfather he told me he said I have your babies with me I have your baby girl I said no pop up I, I'm pregnant with my baby girl. She said, no, you're not. And I woke up and I've started to bleed out. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. So when I got pregnant again, I refused to lay on that couch because mm. psychologically I said, okay, this is going to happen again. Then when my grandmother, she her anniversary of her death is t- tomorrow, actually. We went to see her after Thanksgiving and she wasn't eating. At the time, I didn't realize she was fasting and praying, but she would not eat. And I said, mom, you got to eat. Come on, mom, you got to eat. And she said, no, no, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. And we walked down the hall and I tried to get as far away as I could. And I bust out and I broke down. And I said, she's going to die. She's going to die. She's leaving. She's leaving. She's not going to make it by the end of the week. So the nurse came out and ran to me and she said, what's wrong? I said, she's leaving us. She said, no, no, no. She's just not getting strength up. I said, she's gone. Mm-hmm. I said, when you come back, she's not going to be here. And she said, how do you know? I said, I know. I said, believe me, I know. She said, no, she's just got to eat. I said, she's gone. She's, she's, she's ready to go. And that was about, I say the 30th. Because on the first, we saw her and she was doing good. 
And she looked me in the eyes and she told me, she said, I love you. She said, I don't care what nobody says. I love you. I truly, truly, I loved you. And I love you. No matter what you find out, I love you. And I said, okay. And that's the last time I seen her awake. And then I brought my kids and my husband. She wouldn't, she went into a coma. She wouldn't wake up for me. She kept pushing me away from her, which was funny. She didn't like to be touched. So in her coma, I could feel her flinch me off of her. I'm like, oh, woman, you don't want me to touch you. I could feel her like flinching me off. So then I brought my kids and my husband, they said hi and they kissed her. She opened her eyes in her coma. She opened her eyes and looked at them. Like you would do that for them, huh? So like she wanted to see them one last time. And Mm. I had to go to a parent teacher conference. So my husband and I left and my mom called me and said she transitioned. And the funny thing is my pop up, her husband, I went to the store, he transitioned. So they both waited for me to leave to transition, but they both come back to me in dreams. And when she was about to die, my, my brother was crying. I said, what's wrong? He said, you see over there? I said, yeah, he said, pop up standing right there. I said, he came to get her. I said, it's okay. Mm-hmm. He said, but I see him. I said, he's never had anything like this. He said, but I see him. I said, it's okay to see him. I said, he's here. He's coming to get her. She's loved. Let her go. He was like, okay. And then she waited for me to, to leave to go. And then as a child, I seen the angel twice sitting in my living room. And she had on, it was white. It was very bright. And you could see the wings and the wings were like huge. She was just sitting there glowing and I, I was like whoa I said that's the angel she didn't talk she just looked at me I said whoo both times that that it sat in the same red chair and I asked my mother did she want to see her and my mother said no and when I went to go get her she left my grandmother said because that wasn't for your mother to see that was only for you to see and everybody I told that to they were like oh you must have been high were you drunk I was like four years old mm. and so I learned to keep stuff to myself because no one accepted it. You know, it, it was always, oh, you're crazy. Something's wrong with you. You know, you didn't see that. My parents accepted it at the church. Except, I grew up holiness. The church accepted it. Mm. So they said, oh, you must be a prophetess. I said, I don't think I'm no prophetess. I said, I can't tell y'all what, you know, I could, I know more stuff about death and maybe some things are going to happen that are going to be tragic. But I can't tell you what God's going to move in your life and stuff like that. But they were the only ones to like really accept it. And then my grandmother, um, my father's mother, she was in the, um, I guess y'all would call it, down south, um, black magic. So she did a lot of that stuff. And she said, oh, you have the gift of my mother. But then her mm-hmm. mother converted it to Christianity. Mm-hmm. She said, so she gave you that gift. And she just told me, she said, you just got to pray. She told me different things to do that, I guess, to lighten it but then mm-hmm. I'm like I get scared at times I say because you know sometimes you see too much and it can scare you and you jump back like whoa mm-hmm. but it's been around me all my life but this this here experiences that you had Ray that was like similar to mine mm-hmm. it's my blow because I have never heard anybody else share that with me that they seen mm-hmm. like the grandparent had a child or mm-hmm. you knowing that like even you um speaking like you not knowing that your father wasn't going to make it out. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, oh, why are you trying to, this I was negative. I'm like, it's not being negative. It's, I guess it's being truthful with yourself and you know what's going to happen to accept it. 
Um, but I'm not trying to be negative or anything, you know. Because nobody making out this life alive, right? My mama told me a long time ago, she said, everybody come into your life to die, including yourself. You're right. Whether it's physical, literal, physical, whatever, everybody that comes mm-hmm. into your space will die and leave. Um, that's true. And that's why I feel sometimes, because nobody's ready for their loved one to die, right? So I think that's why there's so much avoidance when it comes to death or these types of gifts, because nobody wants to think about it. Like I have a family member that hears death death bells, those doom doom. She hears them all the time. Death bells. Like, yeah, like uh-huh. the like the like the bell toll. Uh huh. Yeah, she hears that all the time when somebody's about to die, and I'm like, that's your clear audience. So you have clear hearing. How soon yeah. does she hear that? I was just telling Jessica the other day. I was like, I keep hearing this ringing mm-hmm. in my ears, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, what it's it's, is it's, it's it's deep, like a bell toll, like doom, oh. doom, like a bit. It's a heavy, deeper kind of. Look it up, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that is what that is. Um, she, I think she said she heard it with my grandmother like a few days before she passed, before she transitioned. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, Jessica, that you were talking about um your family having you know southern roots. My grandmother, my great grandmother. I never met her ever, Um, but she was like my main, one of my main like ancestors and guides. And I would see things and hear things. And I'd be like, this don't even make no sense. And I would call my mom and she was like, who told you that? I was like, your grandmama did. (laughs) She'd be like, what? So she would confirm things for me. Um, But one of the things that she did, she was like a death doula in her own right, but she also was like a midwife. So my mom said one day my great grandmother was like walking past his house and heard this baby crying in the house. And she was like, why is this? Why are they letting this baby just cry like this? So she went home. My great grandparents were a self-sustaining family. So they didn't really, they grew everything that they had, um, uh, everything they needed they had at their farm. So they went and got food and milk and she brought it back to this family. And she knocked on the door. She's like, why y'all letting that baby cry? And they was like, ma'am, uh, ain't no baby in here but such and such is pregnant though but the baby ain't here yet so she was like oh well take this and make sure that she's you know eating properly and if y'all need anything else just let me know um but it's always a misconception when it comes to like root work and root magic and things that our ancestors did um sometimes it gets demonized as being dark and evil Mm -hmm. because so many people were still following certain um but religious beliefs but i do believe that these are gifts that we get passed down and handed down and um my mom was like well why you why they pass it down to you why can't i why 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 ain't i get it but she's my mom is like she won't even go to my grandparents like gravesite so it is a gift that they have to trust you with. Like, I trust that you'll take this gift and you'll honor it. You'll pay attention to it. Um, you'll do what needs to be done. But yeah, my grandmother, she tells me, she was like, I catch the babies. I remember one day my sister was pregnant and she was about due. And I was laying in the bed. And you know how if somebody push up on your bed, you can feel your bed go down. Mm-hmm. And I felt that. And I looked. And and I can feel my grandmother's energy. I said, Grandma, what you doing? 
She said, I got to meet the, meet the baby at the hospital so she can have his baby. I said, grandma, she, she's not, she, she just went to the doctor. Yes, she's fine. She's not going into labor. She said, I'm going to the hospital and meet her there so she can have his baby. And then two hours later, my sister called me like, Hey, I'm on my way to the hospital. My water broke. Wow. I said, Oh, okay. All right. Well, grandma's there. <laughs> so I'll see all of y'all in a minute. So it's just honoring that gift. Um, however it 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 comes to you and not being afraid of it. Um mm. I it's 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 really beautiful that your grandfather was like, Hey, I have your your baby here with me. I had my husband and I lost two children in between the two children that we have. And even those children come to me. And it's beautiful because they're babies, but they talk like like humans. So they talk mm-hmm. to me like a grown person would. And um, just having that connection with them, knowing that they're safe, knowing that, that they're okay, that really does help and support in my grief as well. Knowing yeah. that I have children that I carried and I was connected to, but didn't come earthside, um, knowing that I have that gift and that I am able to at least, you know, check on them and spend time with them has been helpful. It's helpful in grief too. That's, that's well. I I know my son, it was my son, I said that my son's on the spectrum. At the time when my grandmother passed, he was about four, I believe. Um, they were, I think kindergarten. And at this time he really wasn't speaking and we were getting ready. Um in Pennsylvania you had to check in at the undertaker for the graveyard before you can put the and they gotta make sure you know you paid your you paid to open the plot. Mm-hmm. While we were sitting there they were playing gospel music and he started singing the song, never heard the song and was singing and I looked and my mother said that is mom's way of telling you he's gonna be okay. Cause she told me before he died, she said he's gonna be okay. So he's gonna be all right. She said just he's gonna be okay. And I was and when he sang the song, I was like, well, when he connects to music. And then my water broke. I looked at the moon. It was a full moon. I said, mm, it's a full moon. I know I'm connected. I'm a cancer. I'm connected to the water and everything. I said, my water's going to break. I got up off the toilet. My water broke. And I knew it. I saw the moon. I said, as soon as we put that crib, I told my husband, I said, don't put that crib together yet. Because as soon as you put that crib together, my water's going to break. He sat down, drank a beer. I went to the bathroom. Looked at the moon and said, my water's going to break. My water broke. We went to the hospital. They left me in the hospital until I had um, an infection. And they finally had to let me deliver because I was having them prematurely. But mm-hmm. it was funny how I knew the connection. I saw the moon. I said, okay, this is it. The moon the moon let me know it was it was done. And then when I had them, the day before I had them, I said, mommy can't take this no more. I can't breathe. You're hurting me. Y'all going to be okay if y'all come now. And they came in that, that morning. They said, oh, you got infection, you got to have them. So I knew they were only in a NICU for three weeks, which was like, they were born at 32 weeks. So they, for them to only be in for three weeks, my daughter was ready to go week two, but her brother wanted to be like a typical man, be lazy and stay longer, but they had to wait an extra week for him. But yeah, it's, it's amazing how we're connected to different things and you, you know what's going to happen before it happens. Mm-hmm. So, right. Let me ask you before we move on, if you could give me an intention for this conversation, what would your intention be? Like, what message do you want to put out there? How do you want, what do you want people to know 
about what you do and maybe grief and end of life mm -hmm. period mm -hmm. my intention would just be awareness okay. awareness that help is available awareness that these gifts and these things that just happen and you can't explain you're not crazy you're not losing it um whatever religious system that you ascribe to um, these things can be honored don't allow mindsets and negative comments kind of stop you from honoring how you feel and honoring your loved ones um, it's okay if you honor your ancestors it's okay if you tell someone I'm not okay because I'm sad because my grandmother died over 30 years ago and I still miss her immensely it's okay if you grieve children that you carried in your womb that didn't make it earth side even though you might have had under the children it's okay if you grieve those babies as well so just awareness that grief takes on many different forms in many different ways and a lot of us are dealing with grief right now um, and it's okay if you have those feelings it's okay if you seek out help it's okay if you um, read something that's interesting to you and you use that in your self-care practice like all of that is okay okay good it absolutely is so you know how doulas when they bring life into the world Mm -hmm. and they assist the parents do you have any specific tools that you utilize um that are unique to you or maybe that you learned in your training like they might have the pool and stuff like that for people who are bringing the baby into the world they give them different mm -hmm. options so mm -hmm. maybe the exercise ball or whatever those things are mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. for the end of life mm -hmm. how do you, you know what do you do you use any tools i um i can the only I've, I haven't done a end of life like from start to finish besides my dad so we were in the hospital um, my dad died of COVID so we were in the hospital when he passed and so it was still restricted um, we still had to gown up and mask up and everything have all the PPE equipment on um, but we were able to be with him in those last moments so with him the only thing I could utilize was music. My dad loved music. Uh, and I remember when he passed, I was sitting there and I heard, play Zoom by the Commodores. And I said, okay, we'll play Zoom by the Commodores because I was playing some music and Earth, Wind and Fire was on. And I heard, play Zoom by the Commodores. And I looked, I said, oh, it's actually next. Okay, just hold on, it's coming. And um, he died in the middle of that song. And I called my auntie and I told her, she said, oh my God, your daddy loved that song. And I told my mama, she said, girl, your daddy used to get drunk <laughs> and sing that song at the top of his lungs. That was like one of his favorite songs. So utilizing music to connect. Um, hearing is the last thing to go. That's the last sense to go when someone passes away. So if you have a person, you're going to visit them in the hospital, you can tell them, I love you. Um, that's why people sometimes they can go to the hospital and tell their loved one, it's okay if you leave. I know you're tired and they'll die right then. It's almost like they are kind of waiting 
for you to say it's okay if you leave. So music is a big tool. Um, candles. Candles are very symbolic of shedding light on the journey that this soul is getting ready to take from this earth side to the ethers. Um, so I use candles to kind of light the path. Uh, that's one of the things that I do in my doula work as aftercare is helping those souls kind of transition and cross over. Because again, they never died before either, right? So what they see and what they experience may be completely different than what they thought it was going to be while they were here. Um, utilizing water. Uh, water is just, excuse me for myself and or anybody else, is just cleansing and it provides that purification. So having that element of water there. Um, using fragrances that smell good, like lavender is common. So something kind of soft to kind of have. Um, so like a some aromatherapy. And then I utilize um, a oil or a salve, like a whipped shea butter, just to put on like the dying person's like feet in their hands. And I do that symbolically of, because they're walking, transitioning, they're getting ready to cross over and take this journey. So just, um, having their feet be protected um, and then the same thing for their hands right because their loved ones are going to be touching their hands and as, as they leave it so I utilize that that's pretty much kind of basically kind of it depending on the situation but those are like the universal things that I use um, and then also depending on how um a person is going to be buried where they're going to be cremated depending on where you live you might be able to have um you know a home funeral or some people are uh looking into having their body like decompose or having like a green burial so it really really just depend on where i am and who i'm dealing with but yeah music candles um some type of oil um even putting something on their lips um will kind of help so those like some of the basic tools that I use. But my like I said, my dad was the on the the most recent person that I was being able to be in the room when he took his last breath. And I was so prepared to hear that, you know, that death rattle that people talk about, that gasp and that <clears throat> he didn't do it. Played the music and he died. And my husband said, he said, he said, babe, I don't think Pop's here no more. Cause I was looking at his hands the whole time. And I kind of gazed up. He was like, yeah, I'm out of here. That's what I heard. And I'm like, you kicked up all this dust while you was living. <laughs> you just go tiptoe out the door quietly, sir. But he was gone. He was, And I felt his hands get cold. And I know it doesn't happen that fast. But when I felt his hands get cold and they felt cold to me and my hand was in gloves and I was like, oh, yeah, he's gone. But yeah, that that waiting for that death rattle and all that, he didn't do it. I was absolutely waiting for it to happen and he did not do it. Yeah. So it just really, it really, really, it really, really depends. It really, really depends. Yeah. Now, when you're doing your work, does anyone ever say they see someone there to help, help them or any loved ones that are, because sometimes my father said he works for hospice. He's a um, chaplain for hospice. So he said he's had people say, um, they seem like a grandchild that has gone before them or a loved mm -hmm. one or a spouse. 
and when mm-hmm. they're coming in and out, they go, I see them, I see them. Mm-hmm. Right before mm-hmm. they go ready, if they're talking before they transition. Mm-hmm. My, um, I remember my, my mother's father had passed away and me and a, one of my good friends, one of my play cousins, we had went to see him and my grandfather played Negro League ball for her grandfather who owned the team. So we was talking and he had died many years before. And he was like, oh yeah, he came to see me yesterday. And we was like, oh really? He said, yeah, we had a good old conversation. And I knew then, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, he getting ready to die. He died on um, Christmas Eve and my birthday is Christmas day. So he died the day before my birthday. But absolutely, uh, my aunt, my grandmother's sister, her last living sister, was transitioning and my mom called me and told me and I heard um this raspy voice say we coming to get the baby it was my mom's um grandfather so I told my mama I said my grandpa said they coming to get the baby she said yeah I believe it because that she was the baby she was the youngest and um I just got it was almost like it was a celebratory affair because she was the only living sibling so all of her siblings had died her parents had died it was just her and I said oh mama they is over here having them a good old time I said they got this big old long table and it's and it's they sitting there and she sends me a picture of exactly what I see she was like oh this picture is xyz I said oh well they're getting ready for her to come home and she was not responsive and I said she'll when she sees her dad She'll do something, kind of like when your grandma opened her eyes and coma. She'll do something. She'll do something they're saying that she wouldn't be able to do, and then she'll pass away. And I think they said she, um, she kind of twitched or blinked or like did something with her hands, and then she died shortly after. And uh, I met her before. I didn't know her. And the last time I saw her, I was <laughs> I actually went to a Joyce Myers conference in St. Louis. That's where she lived. And she came and picked me up and I spent time with her and my great uncle. And in the dream, she pulled up in that same car and she said, thank you. Thank you so much. And she pulled off and left. And I was like, you welcome, auntie. So that was that. But yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of makes it scary for people who are transitioning because they know like, holy, holy shit, (laughs) this person is not alive. Why am I seeing them? I must be getting ready to go. Or, oh my goodness, it's my husband. It's my child. I'm ready to go. My nephew, (laughs) my nephew um, was murdered a couple years ago on September the 11th, which is also the day that my mother-in-law died a few in 2005. And when he passed, he was he got shot and we were unclear about if he was in surgery or not. We just was told that he got shot. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, Neff, if you're ready to go, I'm I'm gonna be sad, but I understand if you can't make it through this. I said, but if you want to stay, just I'm we on our way up there. And he was like, TT, I'm good. My granny here and my mama. Now, his mom died September the 9th, a year before he died. And he was um, incarcerated when his mom died. And September the 11th, they loved their grandmother. So I was like, okay. So he saw those two women who he loved immensely. So he's like, I've been waiting to see them. 
for forever. I'm I'm good. So that's what he told me when he left. And then he he didn't he succumbed to his his um injuries. And then a few days later, I could feel his energy like, oh my God, what's happening? What's going on? You're dead, baby. What? Yeah, this is what happens. And so helping him and guiding him through the transition period, because it was a lot of, uh, wait, I still got so much to do. I got my kids. I got this. I got that. So I absolutely 150% believe no that people do see those loved ones when they're getting ready to transition. Yep, yep, yep. Do you believe a soul has a choice to stay or go? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like a soul knows when they have the choice to fight to stay or not. Um, and I believe that souls know, like, if it's just my time to go, it's just my time to go. I think the shock might sometimes be in the, in the how of it. But I believe, like, um, when they say, you know, people fight to stay alive, I wholeheartedly believe they can choose to fight to finish whatever their mission is um, and the choice not to. I had a coworker, her husband had cancer and um, she, he was going through cancer treatment and their daughter was getting married at the same time. And um, I was pregnant with my son at the time and we were in the same hospital on different floors. So when I found out that she was, her husband was there, she said, I don't know what happened. He was doing so good. We went to the, my daughter's wedding. He walked her down the aisle. He danced. And the next day, he just got sick again. So that man knew I have to stay alive long enough to give this to my daughter before I leave. Mm -hmm. The next day after the wedding was over, he his symptoms, he kind of went into remission and went right back. And... um. I remember one year I had made him some sweet potatoes, some candy sweet potatoes. And when I went to the hospital, he looked at me. He remembered me. He was like, oh, best sweet potatoes I've ever had. And then he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm, I just had my son. He's like, well, congratulations. And then I think he died like two days later. Right. So I think like the soul has a choice to whether or not they want to push through and for whatever needs to be done. Um. But yeah, when it's when it's time, it's time. Like there's nothing really we can do to stop that. I don't think. The reason I ask is because with my dad, he had a bad heart. So he already mm -hmm. had a pacemaker. He had open heart surgery. He had stuff like that going on. So the first time when he was in the hospital, his heart stopped. And we thought that that was it then. Mm -hmm. And they started doing CPR and stuff and he had the tube down his throat and then they took the tube out I went to visit him he was talking he was picking with people in the hospital and stuff like nothing had ever happened but once his heart stopped and they brought him back his ribs were cracked and he mm -hmm. had different issues that he didn't have before mm -hmm. so after that I was like he's probably like shit I don't want to stay here no more now my ribs are all cracked up now I got to deal with mm -hmm. more pain and mm -hmm. more stuff and it's tube back down my damn throat so mm -hmm. he was just like oh no I'm out mm -hmm. 
And I was trying mm -hmm. to talk to him. His wife had put the phone on speaker. And I was like, she said, he doesn't want anybody to come visit him. He doesn't want y'all to see him like this. And I'm like, but he's not talking. How you know? So mm -hmm. I'm like, put, put him on speaker. So I was on speaker and I was like, dad, I'm coming to visit you tomorrow. I don't care what you say. I'm coming up there. I'm making a playlist for you. And when you said mm -hmm. about the feet and stuff, I had just put lotion on his feet, massage his hands. And that's mm -hmm. when he was like, my daughter, the healer. I had mm -hmm. braided his hair in the hospital and did all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the next day I was going to bring my singing bowls and, you know, mm -hmm. cleanse the energy. Mm -hmm. Whenever he's in the hospital, I try to send crystals and stuff like that to put mm -hmm. in his room. And he didn't, he was just like, nope, she ain't mm -hmm. coming up here. I don't want her to see me like this, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the reason why I asked you that question about, do you think that people have, they have the option to stay or go? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. even after his transition, there was so much friction, like most mm -hmm. families have, because there's mm -hmm. so many things left unanswered. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know where paperwork is. You don't know what this person might've wanted versus somebody else when you assist people after that process, dealing with the grief, dealing with the mediumship, have people sent you messages like, no, I don't want this person to handle this. Or no, this my paperwork is in this this locker or oh, this PO oh, locker yeah. or something. Oh yeah, my daddy did. Baby, listen. He told me, he would tell me all the time. My dad lived in Philadelphia for three, 30 years. So my dad lived here and then he moved to Philly for 30 years and he moved back when I was 40. And I know now that he moved back because he was sick and he know he was going to be dying soon because he kept saying, I just want to be close to my kids and my grandkids. It's just my brother and I and then our, our kid. I just want to be close to my kids and my grandkids. And as soon as he got here, he was, we need to call the cemetery to get me a plot. I said, do you, what you plan on leaving here sometime soon, sir? No, I just want to make sure you're ready. We need to call the cemetery. We need to call the, the, the city clerk so we could get the plot. And the last text message I have in my phone from my dad is me sending him a number to a funeral home to see wanted to see if he could prepay for everything just to see how that will work. So when he, he always told me, I got three policies. He's like, I got enough to get me in the ground. That was his thing. I got enough to get me in the ground so y'all don't have to pay for nothing. Okay, cool. Three policies. He always told me that. So when he passed, it was a, uh, where are the policies at? Who's over the policies? He was living with my brother at the time and my brother couldn't find anything. Looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it. Um, they did find two policies and he had borrowed against them so much that there wasn't nothing left. And my brother was like, I can't believe he did this, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept hearing my dad say, it's three policies. And I remember, <laughs> I was sitting in the, I was so pissed off. I was so mad. I was like, dude. And I told him. And I was sitting there and I was so angry. I said, if y'all ass wasn't up there dying, I'd come up there and I'll do it myself. Because how dare you do this to me, to us. Leave us like that. I was pissed off. Because he just, he wasn't a good dad. I don't want to say he wasn't a good dad. He wasn't, he was a father that he knew how to be. He did what he wanted to do. Like, he, I know he loved me. I know he loved my children. But he just was, he just did his own thing. So I was like, how dare you leave us like this? He kept saying, baby, it's three policies. I told you I got enough to get me in the ground. I said, well, your ass better make sure we know where it is before you take your last breath. 
And the day we had to go to take him off the vent, my brother found the third policy. Wow. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, um, like who's over what wasn't together. Um, so that was an issue. And then in the funeral planning, that was an issue. And I got a little bit upset, um, because I didn't feel like, I know the conversation that I had with my dad. I know what I've been getting and hearing and feeling in his passing and it wasn't being heard at all. So I was like, they can figure it out. <laughs> and as the funeral planning started, my dad was like, would you please go? I'm like, nope, I'm not. They can figure it out. And it was two or three days before his funeral. He said, baby girl, would you please go and do and I was like all right I'll get it done and I got it done in like a day things that people were taking over a week to do um so that's absolutely 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 true I had a um my husband had a one of his um good friends passed away now he was able to because he was terminal he knew he was dying so he was able to go and pay for everything himself his funeral his plot his casket he paid for all of that because he didn't want that burden on his siblings and his mother. And I always honored that, that he was like, hey, ain't no reason to hold it off because I know I'm not going to make it. I know the time frame that I have. Um, and he went back and forth to the hospital a few times and he told me what color suit he wanted to wear, who he wanted to pick out his flowers. Um, and it was a couple other things that he did. And I told his brother, he said, damn, that is something that he will wear. He said, yeah, I'll get it for him, whatever he want me to get. Um, I've had people who their parents were transitioning and they were being cremated. They told me like what color urn they wanted. And the person be like, wow, I just bought that, that urn today. Um, so that was just like uh, comforting for them to know, like I did make the choice that my loved one wanted me to make. Um, but yeah, I've, yeah, it's been a few times. Like, don't, I don't want them to handle. Nope, don't let them do. And it's really weird because you got to kind of be creative about how you relay those messages. Because they'll be like, how the hell you find that out? How you know that? So it gets, it, it gets a little interesting. That's why I have to be mindful of the clients that I have. Because not all, not everybody will get or understand that. You know what I'm saying? So being able to deliver information in a way that they can that it can be received is super 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 important so yeah I wish I would have known about you about what you did um last year because we mm -hmm. had a similar situation about policies with my dad I remember mm -hmm. him telling me over and over again I'm worth more dead than I am alive and he was mm. always about his money he was always about his business he kept notes mm -hmm. about everything wrote down appointments all of that Mm -hmm. he didn't play about money um but when he died no one could find any policies and he was mm -hmm. married mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nobody was really communicating with his wife he has several kids <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm the mm -hmm. oldest but it's like my sister who's under me she was used to dealing with a lot of this stuff with her mom's side of the family so mm -hmm. we were like all of these policies were expired I was like mm -hmm. there's no way he would have let these policies expire like this, knowing mm -hmm. he was sick, knowing that, you know, 
just what is, what's going on? Like he was mm-hmm. not that type of person. So I'm like, am I giving him too much credit? Mm. But then there was one policy they found and my grandmother's name was on it. He couldn't stand my grandmother. Mm. So it was like, what's going on here? What are we missing? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. his wife was like, I had to take out a loan and nobody's helping me and nobody's doing this and nobody's doing that. And I'm just like, why would, like, what is going on? Why would he, mm-hmm. like, ah, mm-hmm. we just couldn't mm-hmm. get to the bottom of it. So it caused a little friction. Mm-hmm. And my sister was even like, I feel like he was trying to tell me something in the hospital right before he died. And it was like the heart machine started going off. So they told him to leave the room. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. like, daddy, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's been almost a year. And I don't think any of us have spoken to his wife since he passed. Mm-hmm. So it did cause a lot of friction, but we just, we didn't have the answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's why that pre-planning is so important. Um, that pre-planning is so important, especially for us being in these black bodies, right? Death equity is 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 a, is a thing or the lack thereof. Um, we don't have the education about having the policies, keeping them updated, um, having your will t- together, um, having right now, my father has a bank account that we have access to, but we don't have access to because he didn't put anybody's name on the accounts. So now it's a, we don't know what's in there. It could be $5 in that account. I might have to spend $150 to get the paperwork necessary to get what's in the account. So is it worth it? Don't nobody know what's in there, right? So it just having those things done ahead of time um, and just being, looking at it like this. The things that you don't care about now, somebody's going to have to care about that shit later. So you might not care to make sure your policies are updated or even that you have one, but eventually when you pass, there is going to be someone that you care immensely about that's going to have to care about what happens to you. And is that, it's uh, it's kind of selfish I look at it like, but then I understand why people might be a little bit resistant and hesitant about doing it because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready to die, you know? So it's like a two sides of the coin. Um, but yeah, just having those things in order and a death doula can absolutely, absolutely walk somebody through that. Like, hey, I don't understand what this means. Hey, I'm not sure what this needs to look like. So just having that person that you can just ask questions to, um, you may not need them to help you in your grief or in, in, in the funeral planning process, you may not need the support in that, but just to get things in order and done, getting you that checklist or helping you go through that checklist is, is, is important. Or even if you don't like, Hey, I don't want to, um, doing, um, I don't want a stranger helping me do this but I want a friend or a loved one being able to find somebody that can sit with you um, and can walk you through that process. Absolutely, absolutely important. But yeah. So Ray, how can people connect with you? How can people connect with me? Um, Right now, my only social media is on Instagram um, and it is Yuhuru, U-H-U-R-U, end of life care. 
Um, and then they can also email me at yuhuru and A-N-D, woo, W-O-O, at gmail.com. Okay, good. And we're about to wrap this episode up. This has so, been so informative and just synchronistic too, because we have a lot of things that were in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to connect with like-minded individuals where you don't mm-hmm. feel alone, different, weird, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but based off of this conversation and the intention that you said at the beginning, what would be an affirmation that you would say that a person could say to kind of go through their transition, their process, their grief. Mm. Mm. And I know it's off the cuff, so I'll give you a minute. (laughs) I tell people often that grief is just love's unwillingness to die. Mm. And so you can trust whatever your grief was trying to tell you. So if you are a living person grieving the fact that I'm sick, I won't be here long and I'm leaving my family, um, you can trust that grief needs to give you something and it's going to support you wherever you need to go. Um, If you have a family member that you just lost and, you know, you're happy on Monday morning, but Monday afternoon you're in shambles, trust what your grief is trying to tell you trust what your grief wants to give you trust that you had someone that you loved so much that it hurts that they're no longer physically there and conversely in that same aspect you might have someone that maybe you didn't get along with or you had issues and qualms before you left trust what that pain and that anger wants to tell you it's pointing you into healing that needs to be done so you can trust you trust your grief. Okay. Trust your grief. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ray. Yeah, it's welcome. been a blessing to have you here. And thank I you, will definitely you. put your information in the description mm-hmm. for people to connect with you. Um, and Jessica, do you have any final words before we leave, my dear? No, but thank you for sharing. It was really good to hear some other insights some other people <laughs> that share some stuff I'm excited for you and where your Thank gift you. is going to take you so just get ready okay <laughs> get ready get ready yeah I'm excited for where your grief um you might unlock a lot of things for people that are close to you because you might have needed to be the voice of people like oh, I'm not crazy I'm not I'm not losing it oh my gosh so yeah so keep keep speaking your truth, honey, because there's somebody out there um, with the same ears that can tune in to where you are. So, yeah. Okay, I will. I definitely will. Thank you for that. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Soul Healer Podcast. And until the next time, I'll chat with you later.